Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock, look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot, no, I just be listening to pods, yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing, what he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things, and there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture than pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Whoa. Fantasy round table. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Friday, March 3rd. Uh, the Combine is going strong tonight, right? Yeah. It's tonight. Cornerbacks and safeties are running and doing drills. Ah, so it's just the uh, that's right. They moved like all the offensive players to the weekend. It's on Saturday. I think like everybody's throwing. I saw some quotes from Will Levis today talking about how he wants to, he can't wait to go out there and throw because he's got a cannon and he's going to show it off. Love the confidence. I don't know about the rest of his game, but I definitely love the confidence. Dennis is here with me. Matt will be here shortly. Uh, how's your week been, Dennis? It's been a while. It's it's been good. You know, I've been dealing. I, you weren't here Monday, were you? I was not. Uh, so I got a big boo-boo on my finger. I know about that. I saw that in the chat. I, I, I was not here to to see it. But, yes, I, I did. I do know about the injury. I get my stitches out Monday. And uh, surprisingly enough, the, the reason I called the hand doctor to begin with was I was having a lot of trouble with my index finger. But ever since I – or I was having a lot of trouble with my middle finger – but ever since I took a jigsaw to the index finger, the middle finger doesn't seem to hurt hardly at all. Well, now you know next time when the middle finger starts hurting again, just you know, take a saw to another finger. I, w- I would not suggest doing it to the same one. Mix no, it up a little bit. Yeah. Don't try this at home, kids. Yeah. It actually, the the x-rays, when they did the x-rays on my hand, they, they did say they detected a fracture in the bite finger and they think that's part of what's been causing my they don't know when it happened but they're saying that 
you know, that's something. And so we'll see. I got a hand doctor appointment here at the end of this month to go in and, you know, get my hand fixed and, and get right. It's right before spring break. So we're going to oh, California go. at the end of the month for about eight days. So. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd imagine a fracture anywhere on your body is going to cause at least some pain. You know, I'm I'm not a I am not a doctor, but I imagine if you've got a fracture somewhere, that is likely going to hurt a little bit. Uh, as I mentioned, Matt will be joining us soon. We're going to be talking about our top ten dynasty QBs. Before that, there was some news since we've last spoke to you guys. We're going to run through that here real quick. Marcus Mariota, Kenny Galladay, and Leonard Fournette have been released from their teams. Dennis, I don't, I guess I can't say Marcus Mariota isn't a big deal. It kind of is, at least if you have Desmond Ritter on any of your rosters. But the biggest one's probably Leonard Fournette. He's a guy that we thought might have a good season last year. There's a lot of people who really liked Rashad White. Do you think this is wheels up now for Rashad White moving forward with the Buccaneers on a team? We kind of don't really know what they're even going to be or who they are at the moment. Um, No, I, I like Rashad White, but they're going to bring somebody in. It's a really strong rookie draft class, and it's a really strong free agent class, even with some news coming up about um, – uh, franchise tags and other expected uh, franchise tags to occur. There's still a lot of running backs out there that are good. And so they're going to bring somebody in white, I think is going to be in a split backfield. Now, maybe he shows he's worth it. He takes over and, and he runs with it. They've got to figure out their quarterback position as well. Um, so I don't hate white. You know, I feel like he's a low end RB two high-end RB3 is kind of what I'm hoping, where I hope he, he's going to land. And he's going to have some upside if he wins that job. So, you know, he's going to try to catch on with a front runner and and provide try to yeah, it, it'll be interesting, I guess, to see what happens with Fournette or where Fournette lands, because um, I do think he still has some value. I do agree with you on Rashad White, though. I don't uh, I don't know that he's going to be a guy who carries your team. Uh, Matt is now here with us. If you guys are listening on the podcast version of this, uh, we're talking about Rashad White uh, with Leonard Fournette being released. Matt, uh, what, what are your thoughts on that for Fournette and then White there with Tampa Bay? I think Tampa Bay will end up going to get somebody. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens to Fournette. Uh, a couple of years ago, he was great. Last year wasn't a great season for him, but their offensive line was hideous. Their entire offense took a huge step back. Um, so I there's a lot of questions for me still about Tampa Bay this offseason. First and foremost, who their quarterback's going to be. Um and what they end up trying to do. But I think they were one of the teams that needed some cap relief too. So uh, it's unfortunate for Fournette because this is an incredible free agent class of running backs and also a good draft class of running backs. And Fournette would probably be somewhere double digits down in the pecking order of who you're most excited about if you combine those two. Yeah, I... 
I'll be interested to see. They are probably one of the more intriguing teams heading into this offseason because we really have no idea what this team could look like come to start of the NFL season. Um, as I mentioned, I, I don't think Kenny Galladay is really that important of a, of a release. I mean, it helps the Giants uh, save some cap room. Well, they took a pretty nice uh, uh, dent on their cap with the dead money there. But Marcus Mariota is an interesting one, Matt, and that is because we have heard them come out and say that they want to give Desmond Ritter the chance to prove he can be the guy. They do pick early enough that they could grab a quarterback. Do you believe Arthur Smith and that they're actually going to give Ritter the shot? And do you think Ritter has a chance to do something this year? Oh, I can't hear Matt. Yeah. Doesn't show he's muted. Nothing. Am I here now? There you go. Yeah, now we got you. Um, I think the most likely scenario seems like to me that they are going to give Desmond Ritter a shot and go get a veteran quarterback that's not Mar Marcus Mariota. Um, I think they probably would have kept Mariota, except for it seems like things really went south between him and the coaching staff at the end of last season, which is part of the reason why, much like Derek Carr, he didn't finish the season with um Knocking the game. I suspect Atlanta is going to get one of those second tier veteran quarterbacks that's out there um, to have some competition and then see what happens with Ritter. Yeah, I was listening to Pat Kerwin and Jim Miller this afternoon, and they actually uh, brought up Atlanta as being. Uh, I think they it was Daniel Jeremiah maybe or Tom Pelissero reported that of the teams that Chicago has started to have some conversations with, Atlanta has jumped into the mix about possibly moving up. So they may go up and get them a quarterback after passing on Justin Fields last year. The whole thing with Mariota was that the you know when he got benched and left the team, and I think that really you know, it seems like he had an injury. He went and got surgery, but leaving the team, I think that made Arthur Smith uh, uh, not happy. And Smith has kind of said, you know what? Uh, I don't need this. And and he give him the ax. I've heard a little bit of chatter about maybe Mariota returning to Las Vegas. Uh, I don't know how much stock I put in it uh, right now, but you know, they're going to have to do something. They're probably going to bring back Stidham who knows the offense. And, uh, you know, Mariota, I, I felt Mariota deserved a shot last year. After the way he played last year, uh, I'm off that train. Yeah, I mean, he looked good early on, but clearly just it just doesn't look like he's got it, unfortunately. I will be very curious to see if they trade up. There was a lot of rumors early on that they may even go after a Lamar Jackson. So even though Arthur Smith is coming out and saying they believe in Desmond Ritter, it seems like the rumors are saying otherwise and the fact that they're trying to trade up or possibly go get a quarterback. Regardless, we'll see. I think at least right now Ritter retains some value. I personally would like to see him get a shot, but it doesn't look like, at least right now, he is going to get that. Don't you think that uh, 2022 quarterback draft class looks worse uh, the more time passes? You know, I think Hal and Corral have a chance to make it interesting. I, I know now, I guess, Ron Rivera has backed off the whole Sam Howell's the starter train. Now it's all he's going to compete. 
You know, I still think if Matt Crow hadn't gotten injured, we likely would have seen him last year. Maybe he does something. I still think he's a very talented player. But yeah, I mean, I think the NFL told us it was a bad class last year on draft day when they only took Kenny Pickett in the first round. And we wanted to not necessarily we as in the three of us, but like the fantasy community wanted still to believe in Malik Willis and uh, some of those guys and still draft him high when clearly the NFL didn't think so. It's going to be interesting about this year. Does, does the NFL fade some of these guys who seem like projects again, or do they just take them on the first round? Because it's such a weird, weird look right now for, for the quarterback landscape, which we'll obviously talk about here in a couple minutes. A uh, couple notes here. Deron Payne gets franchise tagged. Evan Ingram is getting tagged by Schefter, which I guess, I guess we should talk about that. It's kind of a big deal. He had a pretty good season there with Jacksonville, and we know Doug Peterson loves the tight end position. Matt, if he does get tagged, I mean, don't you don't have to give me an exact number, but would he probably be in your top 12 tight ends when we do our rankings here later this year? Yeah, you know, I – I thought he was always thought he was going to go back to Jacksonville. Him getting uh, the franchise tag is interesting. Um, I liked the production uh, that we saw from him, and I like that as a spot for him. You don't know what the return of Calvin Ridley is going to do to that offense uh, entirely, but I think that's probably the best scenario for Ingram, who seems like he kind of fully came into his own a little bit in his second chance opportunity in Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, Ingram finished as tight end five last year. I mean, I, I think we all expect Trevor Lawrence to take another step this year and they have a lot of weapons. And so the opportunity is going to be there. Is he going to be tight end five? I, I don't know. That's that's a, a pretty high ranking, but I think he's he's definitely, you know, he I'd put him, I'd feel confident he's going to be in that five to eight or nine range more so than I think he's going to drop into the tight end two range. Uh, they like Ingram. He, he gives them what they want from the tight end position. I think Ridley returning, if he's on point when he returns, it isn't going to necessarily affect what Evan Ingram does so much. It's going to affect um, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Marvin Jones if if they decide to even bring Marvin back. So uh, I, I like if if I'm if I roster Ingram, this is this is an opportunity for me maybe to sell him at a profit, or if I'm a championship caliber team, you know I feel like I've got a good tight end that I can can ride and see what happens this year. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the championship team part. If you've got Evan Ingram, I think you're pretty excited. I mean, I, I think they use him the right way, the way the Giants did in his rookie season where they're not asking him to block much. They understand he's not going to catch every ball, yet they still just force feed him. And when New York did that his rookie season, he had an incredible year. And as you just mentioned, tight end five. I'm I'm excited for him because, again, Doug Peterson just loves using his tight ends. He's got a good quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, and I do agree as well. If Ridley is able to be reinstated and comes back, I don't necessarily think he does much to Ingram's value. It's probably the other wide receivers. This one is interesting to me. I've, I've seen people on both sides of the fence, Dennis, on the Josh Jacobs thing, and I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. So the Las Vegas Raiders decide not to pick up his fifth-year option last year. They force-fed him the ball. I mean, he got over 300 carries this year, and now they're going to franchise tag him, so they're going to end up paying him more money than they would have if they had picked up his fifth-year option. What are your thoughts here on Josh Jacobs? <laughs> 
I understand not picking it up. You've got Josh McDaniels coming in first year, wants to figure out exactly what he has in the team. And then Jacobs just went bonkers last year. And and McDaniels used him as a three-down back, which was something that the other head coaches he played for were just reluctant to do. And he's got the size. He's got the athletic ability. He, he has the skill. So to me, it probably makes more sense to franchise tag him, even if you're going to pay a little more this year, if you're still kind of trying to figure out the direction of the team after two years or after a year going year one, going into year two. You know, you, you know that you can take Jacobs. He's our running back. We're, we're good there. Let me figure out offensive line, defense, wide receiver. You know, they need a significant upgrade on Mac Hollins at their wide receiver, too. Uh, Renfro in the slot, you know, sometimes can he can be really, really consistent, productive, and sometimes not. They, they have a major issue at quarterback with, with Carr going out. And now Darren Waller is in his 30s, and last year wasn't a great season after, you know, kind of being injured the, the previous year. So th- there's a lot of other questions. And so franchise tagging him, it's certainly better than giving him a, a you know, a three or four year extension. And there'll be backs that they can bring in, you know, and they probably could have signed a lesser back at a cheaper price. but. He knows the offense. He he knows everything. You can just put him aside and do it. I, I like the move. I, I would rather, it, you know, if I'm a Raiders fan, I'm much happier with them franchise tagging him than giving him a three- or four-year contract. I, I'm not going to believe they're franchise tagging him until they actually do it. Um, but if they do – that would be all the further proof we need to know that the Raiders are a completely mismanaged organization with a horrendous head coach. Yeah, I'm I'm torn on. I mean, I guess in a way, RB three last it. year. It's not about Josh Jacobs. It's about when you yeah, decline the fifth I mean, year option, you make a statement that you're moving on. He did everything he could preseason last year to try to find somebody to replace him. And having to go back and eat a much bigger cost just proves that you're too stupid to be allowed to make these decisions. Uh, see, I, I actually I do kind of lean with Matt on that. Like... <laughs> It's not like he was been like super beat up and coming off like a major injury that you may have been worried he couldn't rebound from. And so you're like, oh, we're just going to, you know, not take the fifth year option. I mean, you're in a way, I don't say hamstringing your team because the salary, the, the franchise tag is not massive for running back, but still, you could have gotten him on a much cheaper deal if you just pick up the fifth year option. I mean, worse comes to worse, if you pick up the fifth year option and he doesn't play well, you trade him this offseason. At least you get something for him. Some team would have uh, I a Buffalo Bills probably gives you a fifth or sixth round pick for for Josh Jacobs instead of now you guys not only decline the lesser option now you're going to franchise tag which means you can't franchise tag one of your other players and you're going to be paying more money than you wanted to pay him to begin with so it, that's the part that I don't understand I don't think it's a bad move to keep him with how good he was especially if you think you're going to compete I personally don't but it's just a weird situation all around for for the Josh Jacobs thing. Uh, Daniel Jones wants 40 plus million dollars, Dennis. Do you think he gets it? Do you think he's worth it? 
Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is TPPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details. I think it's an awesome question. Um, I think what, what makes him worth it is when you look at the quarterback landscape and where the Giants sit in the draft order, they don't have a ton of great options and franchise, you know, the franchise tag is 32 million for a quarterback. It's, it's not terrible. Um, but if you franchise tag him and then he comes in and he, he takes another step this year, you're not going to get him for 40 million next year. And if you franchise tag him, it's what 125% or something that goes, takes an, a, a big jump. Uh, and so it doesn't make sense really to, to do that Kirk Cousins route. I, I like Daniel Jones staying in New York. To me, I think if if they can get him on a three-year deal and, and that seems like it's team friendly. It, it gives them an opportunity to build on what they did last year. Three years at $40 million, $41 million, It's probably a reasonable contract. Now, if he's hanging tight to I want five years or something like that, you know, that, then to me it, it's a little bit rough. For, for to, I think he's probably – he probably deserves $38 million range just based on what the quarterback class and what the, or what the quarterback landscape looks like. There's not a, a lot of great options and he, he's not going to spend money. So if the giants want to, to keep building, then that's the route you're going to have to, you're either going to franchise tag him or you're going to give him that extension. And he he's decided he wanted to, to bring in some sharks as agents. And so you've got a more difficult task. So I think, is he worth it? Yeah, he's, it's reasonable, I think, based on the landscape. Yeah, I think Dennis hit on it. It's the quarterback landscape itself. And, you know, the options are not incredible out there. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys are going to want to get money. Um, it's unfortunate for the Giants that they couldn't find any stability at coaching until – they were able to get Brian Dable where he came in in the cycle for Daniel Jones because almost right away after he got hired, they had to make a decision about whether to pick up the fifth-year option on a player that for three years we didn't see enough 
to know if he could carry a franchise. I think the question about whether you go for the franchise at 32 million this year or try to take a little bit higher deal comes down to what Brian Dable's experience was with Daniel Jones and the fact that they're working on this contract, which would exceed the tag amount, I think tells you that Brian Dable saw enough that he's comfortable riding with Daniel Jones and being able to to succeed with Daniel Jones, which was probably a hopeful sign if you're a Giants fan. Yeah, I mean, he was really good with um, Dayball, which makes me wonder if like, it would not be smarter for them to try and find a way to get Saquon signed and then franchise tag Daniel Jones to give him one more year to see if that was a, a mirage or not. Like, you can franchise tag Daniel Jones and he does it again, then I think you have no issue paying him $40 because clearly him and Dayball just work together. You pay him all that money, and it turns out that he was full as gold and not quite what you thought he was going to be. It was just one good year with Dayball. Then hey, you could be up shit's creek without a paddle, unfortunately, to like just merge a ton of, of little uh, sayings there together on that whole thing with Daniel Jones. It also might tell you that they're further away from being able to land a deal with Saquon Barkley than they are with Daniel Jones. Very true. The Dolphins are looking at quarterback options per Josina Anderson. I don't know if this means anything specifically about Tua. Maybe they're just looking for a backup for him, but obviously we still have not heard anything. I think the last report that came out of Tua a couple of weeks ago was that he's still in concussion protocol, unfortunately. So obviously we're hoping that he is going to be fine, but Matt. They did announce he cleared concussion okay. protocol after so, a I mean, month. Even after even that though, with with Josina Anderson kind of coming out saying that, I think if you have Tua on your rosters, you're probably a little bit nervous right now. Well, Miami tried to hedge their bets last year when they went and got Teddy Bridgewater, and it was probably the right thing to do then. It just didn't end up working out for them because Bridgewater got hurt. But definitely, they need to have. We've talked about from a dynasty perspective. You know, Dennis and I talked about. On Monday, if you're rostering Tua in Dynasty, you need to have a backup option. If Tua's your guy in Miami and he said he wants to come back and he looked good running that offense with the players they have when he was healthy, you still have to have some kind of backup option. And for Miami, the difference between what they looked like when Tua was out there and when Tua was out was massive. It was enough to almost knock them out of the playoffs and to really keep them from having much more than a puncher's chance when they got into the playoffs. So they're trying to hedge their own bets because they think they have a team that's good enough to compete for the playoffs. And last year it looked like they certainly did when everything was clicking, when they couldn't have any options of quarterback that really did not work out for them. And I think you've got to be prepared because one wrong hit and he could be gone. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big Tua fan, and I, I'm on my rosters where I have Tua. I am doing exactly what the Miami Dolphins are. I am exploring my quarterback options. I want him to be healthy, but what is this? He's going into his third year this season, or is it his fourth? So it's next off season. They have to make fourth the year. Fourth no, year. They have to make decision this year. This, this year they have to make the decision. Yeah. So I got to be honest, I'm not picking up – if I'm the Dolphins, I'm not picking up his fourth-year option. I'm, I'm just not. If he gets healthy and I'm looking at next year and, and I'm having to pay him, great. Either I'll pay him or somebody else will. But to me, 
I think there's just there's enough risk there that I don't know that I want to tie up two more years. Now, we can make the argument about Josh Jacobs that, well, if you tie him up for two more years, it's it's significantly cheaper than if you have to franchise tag him or if you have to sign him to a new contract. So let me talk myself into the other side right here uh, as, as we're chatting about this. That may be the way to go because, you know, if you pick it up from a human standpoint, so maybe he doesn't shake it and you've picked up his fifth-year option. Well, as a human, you've given him probably some of the best opportunities to get medical care and get taken care of by staying on an NFL team. Um, You know, we saw Cincinnati do that with Devin Still uh, a few years ago where he wasn't going to make the team, but because his two-year-old daughter was battling cancer, Cincinnati kept him on the team so he could keep the insurance. And that's not something you expect out of the Bengals. Uh, But keeping him employed for the next couple of years, if it works out, it's quite a gamble. You've, one, engendered loyalty from him by saying, hey, we believed in you when it looked really bleak, so don't don't rake us over the coals when it comes time to sign a new contract. Uh, And two... You know, when, when you've got Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, it's easy to look really good. And, and Ty, uh, Tua is out there now. Uh, uh, apparently, he is doing uh, judo to learn how to fall better. Yeah, I saw that. That's uh, definitely very interesting. Um, last one, not, not, a, not a big thing here, but the NFL is considering outlawing the QB sneak push, which we saw Philadelphia use a lot, not just this season, but in the Super Bowl that seemed to bother a few people. All right, let's talk about our top 10 quarterbacks. Matt, I'm going to let you take it from here. Yeah, so we uh, Dennis and I looked at number 24 to number uh, 11 on Monday. So today we are going to look at our top 10. 10. Uh, this is for dynasty purposes. So uh, we'll do three at a time. And Dennis, I'll let you kick it off with number 10, 9, and 8. So at number 10, I have Deshaun Watson. Admittedly, did not look great coming back from being off for 73 years. So I think that some of that rust is expected. You know, he, he had to he had to be he couldn't be with the team for a good portion portion of that time so he wasn't able to get practice reps he wasn't able to um, to be part of the offense and, and to learn it had the playbook sure uh, but he still looked a little bit rough at times and I think he's gonna continue to bounce back now as he's working with the uh with the offense in the offseason he'll have had a whole year in the offense working with the coaches. Um, And then at number nine, I've got Lamar Jackson. There's just a little question in my head. Not, not will he come back from injury, but when he comes back, what's that offense going to look like with Todd? uh, They hired Todd Munkin, right? With Todd Munkin running the offense. um, There seems to be a little bit of, so I used to have this boss that her her philosophy was that, hey, you should be able to take your pension with you after 10 years because 
after that, you're just kind of punching the clock and getting, you know, you're, you're not as inspired as you used to be. Well, Harbaugh has been there for, what, 18 years now? I feel like he's kind of getting into that whole thing. Uh, there was a story out about how he he didn't really dig too deeply into what Todd Munkin's offense looks like, and so he was asked some questions about it and didn't really have some good answers. But I think Lamar is a, a good passer, maybe not great, but good. We know he's a fantastic runner, and I think he'll come back healthy um, if, you know, Caveat being, as long as he re-signs with the uh, the Ravens. Uh, and at number eight, I got Dak Prescott. Since his ankle injury, you know, he isn't putting up the, the ground yardage he used to. He was usually good for, what was it, about 400 or 500 yards and six touchdowns a season. Um, and then after he had that ankle injury, that's, that's gone, disappeared. Um, he's got some good weapons. Questions about the Dallas running game? What's going to happen there? Uh, they're going to they're going to franchise tag Tony Pollard, and then they're going to draft Bijan Robinson and restructure Zeke Elliott, and they're going to run the wishbone. If I had to guess, um, so ten Deshaun, nine Lamar, eight Zach Dak. Excuse me. I mean Dak Zach. What are you going to do, Matt? How about you? Yeah, the um, interesting part about Lamar there is uh, reports just came out about 10 minutes ago that uh, the Baltimore Ravens just offered him the best deal they've given so far, and his team is reviewing it. So, Well, I mean, they keep saying he's 100% going to be back with him, so they got to do something to make that a reality. Uh, So my 10, I also have Deshaun Watson. I don't know that he ever gets back to like that top three to five value. Uh, A lot of that I just think is – I don't necessarily think that his skill set works as well with the Kevin Stefanski offense, at least this year. And I don't, I, I don't think Stefanski is going anywhere. I, I don't think we'll see what happens, but I think a lot of his fantasy value came in Houston from how bad that offensive line was and him having to run around a lot that, that brought you a lot of rushing production, rushing touchdowns. He's got an incredible offensive line in Cleveland. That's not going to change. Um, I would like to see them add another weapon around him and maybe let him throw the ball more, but I think getting a year under his belt after being out of football two years, he's going to return somewhat to the guy that we remember. I don't know if he ever gets back to that guy, but I do think he will be good. At nine, so I guess I should have asked, Is this this is dynasty, right? We're not just talking about yeah, like right dynasty. Now. I have Kyler Murray. I still believe in the player. I still think that he's going to be very good. I know there's a lot of drama and everything building around Arizona. Coach is not wanting to go there because of Kyler Murray. But he was very good throwing the ball and passing the ball. And Dennis, I mean, you've you've been open about this. You were right on this. I was wrong. I thought Kingsbury was going to be good for that team and good for that offense. It didn't work out. What makes you think oh, Kyler Murray may not? Not a coach who wasn't good in college. Yeah. What if he gets a competent offensive play caller there in Arizona? Kyler Murray might actually take a step forward. And I don't think a lot of people are giving him that credit. A lot of people say, oh, well, because he couldn't do it with Kingsbury, he's just, he's not going to be that good. I actually think Kyler Murray might be able to be better. So I still believe in him being a top 10 option, but I've dropped him down, obviously, there to nine. And at eight for me is. Trevor Lawrence. 
I feel like I'm a little bit too low on him. I know he had a really good year last year. Maybe he jumps up if Ridley is able to come back and that wide receiver core is even better than what it was last year. I just don't, for me, those top guys have to have a lot of rushing production. I don't think you're going to get that from Lawrence. He, he doesn't rush as much as he did in college. And I think with that wide receiver core and Evan Ingram, it's not, why would you? you? You've got the weapons around you. There's no reason to beat your body up. Uh, so he's at eight for me. I'm going to give my others really quick because I, I, I have to go soon. So to finish out my top 10, um, at seven, I have... Um, where'd my list go at seven? I have Justin Fields. Um, I think he's still going to continue to progress to be a better passer. Almost broke the NFL rusher record for rushing yards last year. I just think he's going to continue to get better and better every single year at six. I have Lamar Jackson. Um, some of Dennis's, uh, questions I echo as well, but I do like Todd Munkin coming in there. If they get him another wide receiver this year, maybe that offense takes a bigger step forward with him passing the ball. He also brings you, obviously, a ton of rushing production. At five, I have Joe Burrow. He probably should be higher, but I just can't put him over my guy who I have at number four, which is Justin Herbert. I I think, Dennis, we talked a little bit about this last week. I think the Chargers are going to go all in on, on trying to win this year, and I think that means that they're going to help improve this offense a little bit more with Justin Herbert. I'm all in on both those guys having really good seasons at three. I've got Jalen Hurts. I think he's going to get paid this year by the Philadelphia Eagles, and he's just been phenomenal. At two, I have Josh Allen. As much as I wanted him to stay at one where I had him last year, I just don't think – I don't know how you can dethrone Patrick Mahomes. So Patrick Mahomes has got to be one for me. All right, well, I will give – so my 10, 9, and 8 were the exact same as Dennis, which was, um, was kind of interesting when we were looking at ours. I also have Watson at 10, so we all had uh, Deshaun Watson at 10. Um, then I have Lamar at, at 9. Um, I, I still think he ends up back in Baltimore, and I think it's hard for to imagine the offensive situation being worse than what it was the last couple of years, although I guess uh, – John Harbaugh might be sitting there somewhere saying, hold my beer. So we'll find out. And then like you at eight, I have Dak Prescott. Um, I still like him as a passer. I have more either moving on from Kellen Moore is either going to be spectacular for him or spectacularly bad. I mean, I feel like there's no in between and I'm leaning toward they might've needed some kind of a change. I'm hoping they bring back Tony Pollard. There are, questions I have. I don't think they're going to probably be able to keep Schultz. Um, I don't know if the swing on Gallup worked out like they thought, or if maybe Gallup will be better further removed from his injury. Um, but you're right about Dak. You used to get quite a steady floor from rushing, and that just isn't a part of the game or hasn't been a part of the game the last couple of years. Does it come back with Mike McCarthy? I guess we will. we will find out. Um, I will do my seven, six, and five, and then we'll swing over to Dennis for his. Number seven for me is Justin Herbert. Um, I'm probably in the opposite camp of what Matt Matt had him at four because he thinks the Chargers are going to go all in. I love Justin Herbert, but I have him down at seven because I don't trust the Chargers, and I don't know what they're – a lot of the talk this offseason is that they're going to release Keenan Allen, that they're going to move on possibly from Gerald Everett. I don't know what they're going to do to fill those holes. Um, I like Justin Herbert, but 
I don't know if it was great for him that the Chargers rallied and made the playoffs, um, probably saved Brandon Staley, and I don't know if he's the right fit for that team. I'm worried about them continuing to spin their wheels a little bit and wasting some of his prime. Number six for me is Trevor Lawrence, who's almost in the opposite situation. I was really nervous after that rookie year, but it certainly looks like they found the right coach in Doug Peterson, and they have that franchise and that system moving in the right direction to capitalize on all of Trevor Lawrence's talent. Uh, And then at number five for me is Justin Fields. Um, Again, hard to imagine a much worse offensive line and set of skill position players and maybe even scheme than what Fields was handed last year. And yet he was still a top producer, did a lot with his legs. I'd like to see him improve as a passer, but I'm, I think Chicago has money and draft capital and they're going to try to build around him. And that seems exciting to me from a fantasy perspective in the places I have them. But Dennis, who are your seven, six and five? Well, I have Trevor Lawrence at seven. Um, I need to see him continue to progress. I think he's set up. He's got the right coach at the right time. He's got a good stable of weapons. Uh, They do need some help on the offensive line. It may actually play to his fantasy advantage if their defense doesn't get better this year that they focus on offense. But I like Fields. I, I could just as easily I if Fields was to or excuse me, if Lawrence was to finish as QB four, I would not be surprised. It it, it wouldn't wouldn't catch me off guard at all. Uh if Justin Fields at number six, like you. I need to see him take the next step. I think he's got it in him. Part of the challenge he had last year was he didn't have a lot of weapons around him. They they didn't perform well. Uh, the offensive line was a, li- was a little bit better than it got credit for, but their defense was bad. Their wide receiver core was one of the worst in the league before Darnell Mooney got injured. And then Mooney got injured, and, you know, it's like, hey, let's go. Valus Jones and Equinemius St. Brown. Wait a minute. I thought Chase Claypool was a top three wide receiver in the NFL. Isn't that what he told us? That's what he told us. But, you know, we've been (laughs) lied to before. Um, So I got Justin Fields at number six. I feel like he's going to take a step. And his legs are – they're a huge asset. We saw that last year. He may be the fastest quarterback in the NFL. I mean, Lamar is a great runner. Uh, He's definitely more powerful than Lamar, doesn't have as much wiggle as Lamar. Uh, He's faster than Jalen Hurts and and has, I think he's just a slight, slight little bit less power than Hurts. Um, I I like Fields a lot. And then at five, I have Justin Herbert. I, I believe in Herbert. I am not concerned if they let Keenan Allen go. That's how much I believe in Herbert. I think if they let Keenan Allen go and draft a rookie and put Josh Palmer in that Keenan Allen slot, I don't think they really miss a beat. Keenan is a great receiver. He gets open. Uh, He makes up for being slow by being a a great route runner. He gets open. He uses his body. He's got exceptional hands. Uh, Josh Palmer doesn't quite have that same set of tools, but when Keenan was out last year, Palmer and DeAndre White, what DeAndre Carter, and were very productive, uh, especially Palmer. So I'm not too worried about Herbert if they decide to move on from 
Keenan Allen. Um, I'm gonna, you want me to run through my top four now? Yep, go ahead. Do your top four. Okay. So at four, I have Joe Burrow. So any of these top four, I'm not going to be surprised if any one of them is the QB1. Uh, Burrow, since he had that ankle injury, his rookie season and leg injury, you know, he doesn't run anymore. He was never known for being a runner, but he's got something. There's an it factor with him and a connection with Jamar Chase. He's got T. Higgins. They have weapons. Uh, They invested in the offensive line last year. I think they make another investment in the offensive line this year. I think they need to invest in a stud, a game-changing offensive lineman um, and another offensive lineman that has the potential to be, you know, a a 10-year starter somewhere, even if they never make a Pro Bowl, just to be a 10-year starter. Uh, But Burrow, he, he makes the right decisions. He handles pressure. He does everything you need, and he's got a set of weapons that's unbelievable. At number three, I got Jalen Hurts, and I honestly spent a lot of time trying to figure out how I could put Hurts higher. Um, His passing has improved substantially over what I perceived it to be coming into the league. Coming into the league, I, I felt like he had good arm strength and good accuracy, but not good anticipation. And he has overcome that. Uh, he can, and he's got you know AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, two great weapons to go along with uh, Dallas Goddard. So he has really grown, and he still has that running game. His running game is a, is a bit like Josh Allen, you know, where Justin Fields, his running game will happen at his own twenty. Jalen Hurts will do some of that, but Jalen Hurts is kind of a goal line back running running game uh, option. Uh, so I, I like Jalen Hurts. I have Josh Allen at number two. Uh, if people have him at number one, I'm not going to argue with them. But after what I've seen Patrick Mahomes do, I just I just couldn't move anybody over him. I have Patrick Mahomes at number one. Talk about having that it factor. He's got it in bunches. He, he took a pretty pedestrian wide receiver group and, and just – Paired them up with the best tight end in the game and just destroyed people last year. It was it was phenomenal to see. He makes plays. You know, he calls them panic plays. He came out and admitted, you know, a lot of that stuff he does is because he's panicking. At some point in his career, it's going to stop working out. But until I see it stop working out, he's going to be up there as my QB1. Yeah, and you and I have the exact same players in the top 10. I think Matt, for the most part, had the the same players, except for he has Kyler Murray, and I don't think he had Dak. Um, But we have the exact same players, just slightly different order, and that's even true up here in the top four. Uh, I have Jalen Hurts at four. Um, I was very impressed with what he did uh, last year, Uh, in fact, the last couple of years, and I think he's going to get a contract extension. the reason I have Burrow at three and him at four is because playing style-wise, I think Burrow has a chance to have a longer career. Um, you know, I'm just not as worried based on Jalen Hurts still does a lot of his with rushing and with, um, you know, being a battering ram. And we saw even this year took a shot on the shoulder. At some point in time, 
either he's going to adjust that game or he'll be a slightly less probably uh, less duration in a career because that's just the way that kind of style, which is going to be the same thing I'll say. I have Mahomes and Allen flipped from you. I have Mahomes too. I think he's great. I still have Josh Allen one because of the two to three year window, but I think if you're looking long term, I think Mahomes is going to have a longer career and a longer time at elite status than Josh Allen, who Buffalo has said for three years they were going to get a running back and they haven't done it. So right now, Josh Allen is not only the quarterback, but is the running back one for Buffalo, which is what elevates his fantasy production to me. But that we are probably, you know, I've thought long and hard about this. He's, He's on the outside edge of that two to three year window for me, I think because of the brutality he's already taken and because it seems like they have no intention of ever pulling off that style or he has no intention or maybe no ability to pull off that style. Yeah, there's definitely a legitimate concern with guys like Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen suffering the same fate as Cam Newton. You know, when you get these big guys that run hard and, and, take contact, don't avoid contact. I mean, the payoff is there for the first several seasons, but the beating starts to wear him down. And and Cam, he wasn't the most accurate quarterback in the league, and he never took that step like Josh Allen did when it comes to passing accuracy. And then he injured his shoulder, and he was never he could never get back, even to where he was after having that shoulder tore up. Uh, to me, it feels like it was just such a waste of just a, a waste of talent um, to to put him in a position like that. And I get it; these these players they want to win and they'll do anything to win. And sometimes you just wish that they would live to fight another day. Yeah, and sometimes the cliff for a player with a play style like that is sudden. Because you mentioned Newton; he went from league MVP and in the Super Bowl with his team. to pretty well out of the league in what, two, maybe three years. I mean, when the end comes, it comes suddenly. So let's recap. I'll give my 10 and then you can give your 10. So I had Deshaun Watson at 10, Lamar Jackson at nine, Dak Prescott at eight, Justin Herbert at seven, Trevor Lawrence at six, Justin Fields at five, Jalen Hurts at four, Joe Burrow at three, Patrick Mahomes at two, and Josh Allen at one. And then I have also Deshaun Watson at 10, Lamar Jackson at 9, Dak Prescott at 8, Trevor Lawrence at 7, Justin Fields at 6, Justin Herbert at 5, Joe Burrow at 4, Jalen Hurts 3, Josh Allen 2, and uh, the uh, inimitable one, Patrick Mahomes, at number 1. So before we step off QBs, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions uh, about this. this All right, but I want to let you know up front that I'm a liar. (laughs) Uh, first among the guys that are in your top 10, who was the hardest for you to rank? The hardest for me to rank in the top 10 was probably Fields and Watson because I'm putting a lot of faith in Chicago giving Fields significantly better weapons. And if they do that, some of his secret sauce is going to disappear. I mean, if you've got receivers getting open and catching the ball, yeah, it's great the quarterback's getting points there, 
but rushing points, you know, if he drops from a thousand yards to 700 yards rushing, that's a pretty significant drop in quarterback production, uh, especially if he ends up, you know, not replacing those points. You know, if he only replaces 75% of those points with, uh, with points from passing. And Deshaun Watson, because I'm also putting a lot of faith in him taking a step and the, the Kevin Stefanski trusting he's going to have the – Chubb is losing his, his sidekick in Kareem Hunt, and I don't think they would be able up, take the number of touches away from uh, Chubb that that Hunt did, and they they really only have uh, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples Jones is really great. David and Joku started to come on last year, but he he does have some issues with inconsistency, and as as well as Cleveland's offensive line has been, they're starting to to get old and they're starting to to fracture a little bit. Uh, so it was really Justin Fields and Deshaun Watson were the the two hardest, and and both of them would have dropped down. They wouldn't have gone up. Um, and, and if they had dropped down, it would have been a uh, you know Kyler Murray would have probably been one that slid up. Um, he'd have probably been the only one that slid in, and Watson would have dropped out. No, but then if we add Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud in here, you know, then we got a couple guys dropping. I think both of them are probably going to land in my top ten, definitely my top twelve. Yeah, for me, it was it was Justin Herbert because I I love the player and I love his talent, but as I mentioned, I just don't trust his team and his organization in the slightest, um, which is why I'm I probably ended up lower on him than you guys did. So among the quarterbacks you have in your top 10, who do you think is the most likely candidate if somebody was going to finish outside the top 10 in 2023? Um, so I'm sorry. I uh, just saw a tweet from Ian Rappaport that the Cowboys said they're going to franchise Tony Pollard if they don't come to an agreement by Tuesday. Let's see what actually happens. All these teams talking about right. franchise tags. So, so were you asked you were asking me who in which my top player 10? in your top ten ha- do you think has the best chance of not finishing in the top ten in scoring in twenty twenty three? Probably. I'm, I'm, boy. Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson probably. They may be a cop out because they're at nine and ten, so it, it's not a steep fall. Um, I, I feel pretty, I, I could see Justin Fields take a step back. He would be somebody that maybe ends up depending on who they bring in to back him up. If he gets shook a little bit, maybe gets injured, misses some games because of his play style, or if his confidence starts to wane and they give him a couple games, they, they decide to Zach Wilson him, you know, I could see something like that maybe causing Fields to, to drop out of the top 10. Yeah, Fields was going to be my my decision too because uh, you know, little less stability and and knowing with Chicago. I think the argument for Lamar Jackson is just if he's healthy, he finishes in the top 10. If he's not healthy, he won't finish in the top 10. 
So I, mine is not totally a projection on health, but more some of the issues you talked about with Chicago, if there's growing pains, if there's changes, if they kind of limit the things that gave him his upside with fields. Uh, conversely, what is one player you didn't rank in your top 10 that you think has the best chance to finish top 10 in scoring in 2023? Probably Daniel Jones. If he goes back to New York, you know, he was QB5 last year. Um, I don't know, what was he, QB9 last year? Um, and, and then a, a complete wild card would be Russell Wilson. You know, if it just clicks with him and Sean Payton, you know, we've seen Wilson be able to act. He's got two wide receivers in Cortland Sutton and uh, Jerry Judy that can kind of execute like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett did. They bring similar, if not um, completely the same, skill sets to the table. And the right offense, the right plays, it wouldn't surprise me if Russell was able to, to take a step back into you know fantasy starter relevance. For me, I'm going to say it's Tua um, because he was incredible when he was healthy out on the field in this offense with the players that he has. If he if he can avoid you know those head injuries and he can stay on the field and we get sixteen or seventeen games of what he was doing last year, I think he's easily a top ten, possibly a top five score. I just it's hard to it's hard to believe after what we saw last year it was just so tough to watch. But that's he would be mine. The, you know he, that's why he was probably the hardest for me to rank on the entire list. Um, just because I see the potential there, but so much risk. Well, that is going to do it for us today. On Monday, we are going to be back uh, looking at some of the highlights from the NFL Combine. And uh, since the franchise tag deadline is really coming up, maybe they will have actually decided to franchise tag a few more players or they'll have rumors about 75 more players that they intend to franchise tag. And, you know, that's always a good time as well. But, Dennis, if the people are watching the Combine this weekend and they get to the offensive line uh, portion and they're just not quite – uh, sure that they need to give it all their attention. What else can they be doing to fill that void? Well, so we changed platforms a while back, and as it turns out, we lost a significant number of our subscribers. So they should go and, and tell their friends. We really need you to – so if you're hearing this, you already subscribe. So do us a solid. Tell your friends to subscribe so that the podcast gets downloaded and we get those, those counts. It, it helps us out. Go give us a five-star review. Give us a, a rating. Uh, it helps us tremendously. Uh, but we we need to make, make earn back is the word I'm looking for. We need to earn back uh, our subscribers that we lost and, and get those download numbers back up. And, you know, you, you know we, we've done over 600 shows. That's a big number. It's a big number. And you know what? We have a lot of fun things in store for you this summer. We're going to go back to doing some mock draft Mondays. We're going to have rookie draft mocks. We're going to do dynasty startup mocks. And we're going to keep rolling through our ranking series next week. We uh, will look at the combine on Monday, and then we will get into running backs and the back half of the week. But enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the combine. Enjoy all the players that are uh, participating and those that decided not to participate. But we will be back on Monday looking at it all. Prepare 
glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Die, leave. Only tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play?